0: Welcome back to Cobb's Corner, I'm Morgan Cobbs, and Ant-Man and the Wasp was the fun breath of fresh air we all needed after seeing half of the MCU bite the dust. The film served as a direct sequel to the first Ant-Man, and also introduced us to new characters and more backstory surrounding Janet Van Dyne. Let's go to Cobb's Corner. The film starts out with our usual fanfare and a Marvel Studios logo, but this time it has a one and a zero in the word studios, given that Marvel Studios celebrated 10 years in back in 2018. We open with a flashback sequence where Hank Pym explains to his daughter Hope how he wishes that he could have told Hope what had happened to to his to her mom uh, sooner than he actually did. Like, he didn't finally admit what happened until the movie Ant-Man, and telling... His daughter that her mother was not coming home was the hardest thing he ever had to do we get a flashback sequence in which we see janet van Dyme played by michelle pfeiffer you no, know, the wasp the first wasp along with dr pym as they have to leave in the middle of the night on what they tell hope is a last minute business trip but you'll remember from the first ant-man that they had to stop a missile that was being launched by the soviet union And Hank says how he wishes that he could have just dropped his bags and tucked Hope back in bed, but there were too many lives at stake. The two of them went to stop the missile launch that was already launched, being launched by the Soviet Union, or USSR. With Hank Pym as the Ant-Man, Janet Van Dyme as the Wasp. We saw a similar flashback scene that included this mission in the first Ant-Man movie, Janet goes subatomic to stop the missile and she ends up getting lost in the quantum realm um i guess quick quick sidebar about um you know janet van dyme the ant-man comics were being written in the 1980s and i guess for the you know u.s historians and like maybe even like sociologists listening you'll probably remember that that was during like second wave feminism and it was considered progressive at the time for wives to keep their maiden name and to not take on their, their husband's last name, which was, which was tradition. So writers, you know, Stan Lee, uh, Steve Dicko, you know, all the, the writers at Marvel, they made a conscious decision for Janet to keep her maiden name. Cause notice how like I've referred to her as Janet Van Dyme. And I think it's also MCU canon that she's Janet Van Dyme. She's not Janet Pym, although they're married, she did not take her husband's last name. In the comics or in the MCU, which was, you know, progressive for for that time. It's not it's not uncommon like e- even today, like even in the tw- even in twenty twenty two, like it's not uncommon today. But that was sort of like a new thing that women that women were doing back then. So just like a you know connection to real life and to Janet Van Dyne. So, back to our regular schedule program. Um, <laughs> we then cut back to the present uh, about the year 2018, where Hank says how once Scott Lang went into the quantum realm and made it out alive in Ant-Man, he thought, could it be possible that Janet is still alive in the quantum realm? Meanwhile, Scott is still you know serving his two-year sentence of house arrest following the events of Captain America Civil War. It was mentioned in Avengers Infinity War, how he along with Hawkeye, Clint Barton, had taken a had taken a plea deal in which they were sentenced to two years of house arrest because, you know, they both have families, but they both, you know, were on Team Captain America, so they, you know, did violate the Scovia Courts. So they were both put on um, house arrest. And this movie roughly takes place around the time of Infinity War. So we see... You know Scott just like kind of seeing his daughter Cassie on the weekends, and the two of them are just having fun at home. We see that he's kind of playing the drums at at his house, and you know, in the process of while well, setting up a security consulting firm, uh, XCon Security Consultants, with his with his former heist buddies Louise, Dave, and Kurt, uh, while playing with his daughter, his ankle monitor accidentally breaches the perimeter of his property, which triggers one of the sensors, and the FBI end up showing up and just doing a full sweep of the house. FBI is doing the search of the house as Cassie's mom and her stepfather come to pick her up. And later that night, as Lang is taking a bath, he has a vision in which he sees Hank's wife, Janet, in the quantum realm, and... And then he, in the vision, he is Hank's wife. He is Janet. She's playing hide-and-seek with a young hope. And, you know, when he looks in the mirror, Scott sees that he is Janet in this vision. This is sort of a nod to how perhaps Scott might have had some sort of quantum entanglement with Janet while he was in the quantum realm. Like when they were both in the quantum realm at the same time, there was some sort of quantum entanglement. You know, something happened or she... Implanted a message in his head. Or so Scott finds an old flip phone that he hid in his house. He calls Hank, leaves a message, tells him about what he saw. Later that night, as Scott is eating his cereal, he's stung by an ant, and he passes out. The next morning, he wakes up in the passenger seat of a van with Hope Van Dyme, and his appearance resembles that of The Big Lebowski, which is a movie that stars uh, Jeff Bridges, who, if you remember, he played Iron Monger in the first Iron Man movie, um, Open Eye Dane. Yeah, uh, Jeff Bridges, who is kind of just going throughout the movie, just like in his bathrobe. He is li- limited, vested. He's like no vested like interest in the plot of the film at all, and uh, <laughs> but ends up being a valuable asset. So that's kind of where we're going with this film. So yeah, um, Scott tells Hope how he is on house arrest and that he can't be in the van with her. Uh, Hope tells Scott how there's there's an aunt back at back at his house wearing a ankle monitor that will be mon- mimicking his daily routine, and and she asks him if he thinks it's possible that he saw her mom in his vision. You know, do you know? Hope asks Scott, "Do you think it's possible that my mom is still alive?" The two of them meet up with Dr. Pym at his lab. Dr. Pym reveals how he found his old plans for a quantum tunnel and how he plans on going down into the quantum realm to find his wife. They need one last part from a weapons developer named Sonny Birch, played by Walton Goggins. Uh, Hope goes to attend a business deal at one of his restaurants to to get the part that they need, and the deal ends up getting called off. As Sonny leaves the restaurant, Hope suits up as the Wasp, and a fight commences. Scott and Hank are... Watching from the van outside, and Scott suits up as the Ant-Man and joins the fight. For the first time, we see Ant-Man and the Wasp team up. The fight is interrupted by a shadowy figure who can walk through walls, and she goes over to the van and steals the shrunk, steals Hank Pym's lab, which she has now shrunk down. Uh, Hank, Scott, and Hope regroup and end up going to see Hank's former colleague Bill Foster, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Foster helps them to locate the lab just before FBI agent Jimmy Wu shows up to the college campus in search of Lang, who is violating his house arrest. They locate the lab, which is now enlarged in the woods, only to find Bill Foster and Ghost, who is named Ava Starr, at the lab. Ava's father, Elias, was a S.H.I.E.L.D. scientist who accidentally killed himself um, and, and his wife as the result of a quantum experiment gone wrong in Argentina, Ava survived and was left with an affliction that causes her to shift through different phases of matter uncontrollably. She was found by Bill Foster as a little girl. He helped her to control her affliction, and she ended up working for S.H.I.E.L.D. She became a weapon for S.H.I.E.L.D. doing stealth missions in exchange for them giving her a containment suit and false promises that they would cure her. When S.H.I.E.L.D. fell, Foster took her in, and they are now in search of a cure for her affliction, and they now demand to use Dr. Pym's quantum tunnel. Hank fakes a heart attack to get out of the zip ties and they escape Bill Foster and they get the lab back. Back at Excon, Sonny Birch and his goons locate Louise, Dave, and Kurt and through the use of Truth serum, they force them to reveal to Scott r- r- reveal where Scott Hope and Hank are and you know all this eventually comes out after one of Louise's Louise's in-depth monologues, if I had my way, every single Marvel film would begin with one of Louise's monologues. One of Louise's, like, stories. He reveals where the where they are and where the lab is, physically speaking, in the woods. <laughs> really, really funny scene. While in the lab, Scott reveals to Hank and Hope what exactly he saw during his vision, where he saw Hank's wife, Janet, in the quantum realm. And this leads to Janet taking over Scott's mind and directly helping them locate her in the quantum realm before the quantum field shift and then they and they only have you a know, two-hour two hour window before the quantum fields shift again, and then they can't locate her for another century. They are able to finalize setting up the quantum tunnel. Uh, just then, Scott gets a call from Louise saying how Sonny knows where the lab is located, and he has to make it back home before Agent Wu can catch him violating his house arrest sentence, which is almost over, by the way. He's got like a day left. Uh, Birch had a contact at the FBI who who informed them about Lang's violation and Hank and Hope's and gave them the location of Hank and Hope. Scott makes it back home in time, leaving Hank and Hope to be arrested by the FBI as they as they shrink the lab. When they shrink the lab, the lab was surrounded by, yes, by federal agents. Scott helps Hank and Hope escape from the FBI with a few disguises and a whole lot of ants. The three of them locate the lab, and Hank goes into the quantum tunnel to get his wife, who he hasn't seen in 30 years from the quantum realm. Hope and Louise then shrink the lab and try to escape from Sonny and his goons again. We had a really fun car chase scene where Scott stops a moving truck. Slowly. Uh, Sonny makes it onto a ferry boat while holding the lab. Scott becomes big, takes the lab from Sonny, but then quickly loses it. The lab is enlarged by Ghost in the middle of San Francisco Bay Area. A dock in the middle of the San Francisco Bay Area. After fighting Ghost in the lab, Hank makes it out of the Quantum Realm with his wife, Hope. Hope has new abilities now that she has been in the quantum realm for three decades. She's able to give Coast quantum energy to stabilize her in the short term. Meanwhile, outside the lab, Sonny and his goons are stopped by Louise, Dave, and Kurt. Scott makes it home in time for the FBI to formally end his house arrest sentence. He is now a free man. Excon is now able to land the client that they were initially preparing to pitch their product to at a future date. Following their apprehension of Sonny Birch... And his goons, which made, you know, news coverage, uh, either local or national uh, news coverage, probably just the local or state coverage, in San Francisco. Hank is reunited with his wife Janet, while Scott is now a free man. The film ends with Hank and Janet retiring to their beach house, and Scott, Hope, Scott Hope, and uh, Cassie. You know, Scott's daughter watching a drive-in movie in their tiny cars in front of a laptop which I guess when you're small every laptop screen just becomes a movie screen your laptops now huge for them uh, since they're shrunk down gives me memories of like that episode of Phineas and Ferb when they were shrunk down it's like whatever it's like when you're small every sink is a swimming pool every TV is a movie screen your dad's comb is a jail like <laughs> So it really just kind of gave me you know, flashback vibes to Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> um, and now one of the greatest Disney shows ever. Um, first post credit scene shows Hank, Hope and Janet sending Scott to the quantum realm to get more quantum healing particles for Ghost who I guess is now on the run or they're you know, friends with Ghost now. They go back to get more quantum healing particles for Ghost. Scott harnesses the quantum healing particles. You know, he goes into the quantum realm. He, you know, he's warned against uh you know getting getting lost in the quantum realm. I think um uh, Janice says like don't don't get sucked into like a vortex or something, then we won't be able to find you. So Scott harnesses the quantum healing particles, and just as he's about to be brought out of the quantum realm back into the real world, his radio goes silent As he's like you now it's like uh we see hank hope and janet on the radio um in the real world and you know they page scott scott picks up he harnesses the healing particle he's like all right i'm ready i'm ready to come back and then i think hope's like okay bring you back in three two and then the and then the radio goes silent it turns out we see how janet hope and hank all got dusted by thanos Scott survived Thanos' snap, and he is now stuck in the quantum realm. Second post-credit scene shows a giant ant playing the drums at Scott's apartment, following Thanos' snap, and like you see on the TV that there's like a state of emergency. So Scott survived the snap. But Hank, Hope, and Janet did not. So as I said before, Ant-Man and the Wasp like it's a fun movie, you know, it's a fun little, you know, superhero film on kind of a smaller scale. That, you know, it's a breath of fresh air that we all kind of needed after uh Avengers Infinity War, you know, after just watching half of the universe bite the dust and we I guess even after Ant-Man and the Wasp still had no idea what everyone's final, like, fate was. No. So, yeah, it was just, you know, a fun superhero film. The film does deal with the themes of love, loss, and family. Hank thought that he had lost his wife in the quantum realm forever, 30 years ago, but then Scott made it out of the quantum realm, which gave, which gave Hank hope that he could get his wife, Janet, out of the quantum realm, that she was still alive. Well, it gave her hope that maybe Janet's still alive and maybe there's a possibility that I can bring her out of the quantum realm. The Pym family is now back together again. Ava Starr lost her family at a young age and then became a villain ghost in a relentless pursuit of vengeance, stopping at nothing to cure her affliction that she never asked for in the first place. That she got caught in the crossfire so. The film roughly overlaps with Avengers Infinity War, timeline-wise. We do know that Scott Lang survived the snap, while Hank, Hope, and Janet did not. This could have an impact in future films. Uh, Recently, the trailer dropped for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I will talk about in our last segment. Ant-Man and the Wasp will no doubt have an impact on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We now know that the Quantum Realm exists. And this is kind of a new location that we've seen in the MCU. Like we, I, I mean, I guess we we saw it. We technically saw it in Ant Man, but we saw more of it in Ant Man and the Wasp. We saw that, like Ant Man and the Wasp, we saw that it is possible to enter the quantum realm and also exit the quantum realm, which will show up in a future film. Um, so the quantum realm was like a new like, location in the MCU. Like, it's an actual realm that exists. You know, where time and space work differently and, you know. Which I think is super cool. As a engineer, you know, just, like, quantum theory, like, quantum mechanics. Stuff that I've kind of studied in school. and So, yeah, I mean, I, I just always get a kick out of, like, this idea that there's a microscopic universe smaller than atoms themselves where everything that we know about time and space and about like the real world, physical world, all that goes out the window. Yeah. It gives you more like freedom as a writer, I think. It's like, because at that point it's like, okay, all bets are off. Like, you know, maybe you could, you know, 30 years... In the quantum, in the physical world, maybe that's not thirty years. In the quantum realm, you have thirty years on Earth in the physical world, maybe that's not thirty years in the quantum realm. You have more like freedom as a director, as a writer. So I'm glad that they decided to include the quantum realm uh, in this film. We know it exists, and it's possible to enter and exit the quantum realm. And they're going to expand upon that in Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania and maybe even some films in between Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Mania. So that's the main impact is the quantum realm and its involvement in the MCU. On to some current nerd news. Since we last spoke a lot of updates have happened in the nerdverse <laughs> i guess you know the the universe the world of like entertainment and you know sci-fi and yeah a lot has happened in the the nerdverse as i'm going to call it from here on in so let's just jump right into it starting off with marvel um Harrison Ford has now officially been cast as Thaddeus Ross, he will be be playing Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross in the upcoming Captain America New World Order movie, which is, I think, slated for a 2024 release. As I mentioned before, the original actor of Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross was William Hurt. He unfortunately passed away um, earlier this year, back in March. Uh, For months, it has been undecided slash unclear what Secretary Ross's fate would be following the pass of William Hurt, Will they be killing him off? Will they be recasting him? They're most likely going to recast him because there's also the Thunderbolts movie, which I'll touch on in a second. We now know that Secretary Ross will be played by none other than the archaeologist Bounty Hunter himself, Harrison Ford. I can't wait for Captain America New World Order. Um super excited to see, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America, which actually the year 20, it's funny that. Anthony Mackie would make his big screen debut as Sam Wilson in 2014 because that is the same year that Sam Wilson became I guess new Captain America or like the, the Sam Wilson Captain America run in the comics started in 2014 the same year that Anthony Mackie made his big screen debut as Sam Wilson the Falcon and in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that outfit is straight from the comics. Like, it looks exactly the same in the comics. So, phenomenal. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I personally feel like that was one of the better uh, Marvel's, Marvel uh, shows. Not sure if I'd say it's the best Marvel series to come thus far. But it's definitely one of the better ones. It touched on some actually, like, real real deal... Uh, real deal topics, you know, and that's the thing I like about Marvel's, like, Stanley, he always said that it would be a reflection of the world we live in, and I like how with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they, like, directly addressed racism and, like, bigotry and, like, hypocrisy and, you know, the ability to fight for a country when country doesn't fight for you, so, you know, I'm really, really just glad that we're getting an MCU version of Sam Wilson, Captain America, you know, Black Captain America. So um the Thunderbolts movie uh seems to be well, it see, well, well, seems to me that like the, the Thunderbolts I know they existed in the comics and not to compare Marvel and DC too much, but it looks as if they're sort of a group of, similar to the Suicide Squad, like the Suicide Squad, like they were all like villains who were tasked with like doing, I guess superhero assignments. Like villains slash like anti-heroes who were all kind of you know, under being controlled by Amanda Waller. She would like send them on missions and it's like If any of you deviate, we push a button and you're dead. Thunderbolts seems like it's not that extreme, but it's like a group of like sort of heroes that have like some questionable morality that have maybe played, that have maybe been on both sides of the spectrum. Like, you know, heroes that are, you know, doing good but they've got questionable morality, questionable motives at times. They're more extreme. Um, so far, we know, we have confirmed uh, members of Thunderbolts, the, the the movie Thunderbolts, which is coming out in, in a few years. So far, we know we know that Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine will be showing up. Like, we saw her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, Val. <laughs> She was, in Bal- she was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then she also was in the post-credit scene of Black Widow. So she'll be coming back, played by Julie louis Dreyfus. Um, Elaine from Seinfeld, phenomenal show. Yelena Belova will be coming back. We last saw her in the movie Hawkeye. Uh, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier. Now we last saw him. Last saw him in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ava Starr, Ghost, who we saw in today's movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Antonio Dreykov, uh, Taskmaster, who we last saw in Black Widow. He's showing up. John Walker will be be showing up in Thunderbolts, not as Captain America, but as the U.S. agent. U.S. agent. Uh, And Alexei... Alexei Shostakov, the the Red Guardian. So, they're kind of pulling from multiple phase four projects that have happened so far, and it's like a it's gonna be kind of a ragtag group of uh, heroes with an asterisk next to heroes because you know some of these people, like Yelena Bolova. I mean, I guess you could say she's a good guy, so to speak. I mean, but she was a black widow and she was a mercenary. So it's like in, in the past, she was on the other side of the spectrum, but have crossed over to the good side. I mean, John Walker, he's literally an anti hero. I mean, he, you know, killed someone publicly. Yeah. So that's fun. But yeah, Thunderbolts will be fun. Captain America New World Order is going to be amazing. Those are the only confirmed members of Thunderbolts so far, according to Screen Rant. A few unconfirmed members that could still join the roster are Baron Zemo. Please. <laughs> Guys, Daniel Bruhl as Baron Zemo was just phenomenal in <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Man. Zemo, he's one of my favorite villains. Uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross as the Red Hulk, unconfirmed. You know, and the Abomination. So, like I said, really excited for Captain America: New World Order and Thunderbolts. They look very promising. She-Hulk has now wrapped up, and I liked the show. I know it's a show that has kind of divided a lot of us. Like, there's some of us who didn't like She-Hulk, some of us did. It had its ups and downs. Nice departure from the larger MCU. And it gave us a closer look at the legal side of being a superhero. And it did give us this excellent piece of world building that, although She-Hulk takes place maybe around the years 2025, so nine years after Captain America Civil War, we know that the Sokovia Accords have been repealed. This is like maybe about two years post-Blip. The Sokovia Accords are no more. So that's a really interesting piece of uh, information, piece of world building for uh, for the MCU overall. And they also, you know, gave us cameos from Daredevil, from Hulk. We know Hulk has a son now; his son, Scar. (laughs) All right, yeah. So you know, She Hulk. It's given us something to look forward to. I'm so, 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 as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm really looking forward to Daredevil Born Again. It looks so amazing. Definitely going to check it out when it when it airs. I finally watched Werewolf by Night, and it was a good movie. Um, it is, I guess, technically a part of Phase 4, but I guess it, it's a short film. It's like... Maybe an hour, like maybe a little less than an hour. And it's mostly in black and white. It's an interesting like story. And it's, you know, kind of, it's more of like a sideshow that diverges from the larger MCU and like physical threats. And it focused more on the supernatural side of the MCU. It was a fun little like Halloween special, which is not something that, that Marvel has ever really done. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness doesn't count because it's an MCU film. <laughs> and yeah, it had its horror elements and everything, but this is the first like actual MCU horror film. Yeah, it was nice. You know, it was a fun, spooky short film. Um, lastly, for Marvel, before I transition, um, the first trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, has dropped and bro this trailer <laughs> it looks amazing we see jonathan majors as kang the conqueror you know we got that teaser from loki we see more of janet van Dyme, uh more of hope scott uh cassie's older now um we also get to see more of the quantum realm like i'm, I'm really interested to see like the different parts of the quantum realm whatever that there's an easter egg in, in ant-man and the wasps but what was that quantum realm city, that city in the background, you know? So this movie just, it looks amazing. And I'm just really, really, really excited for it. I'm definitely seeing it in theaters. If I can, I'm going to try and see it in like IMAX. Like, you know, hitting theaters in February of next year. So a few months no, Because, you know, 2022 is almost over. We're already looking ahead to 2022, 2023. This movie will give us a wider window into the quantum realm, its terrain, more quantum physics, and, according to the title, some quantum mania. On to the DC front. Black Adam is now officially in theaters, and it was awesome, alright? The Rock was amazing in the titular role, the humor was on point, the action was on point, point it was interesting to see it's like you have this superhero who i guess you know is a, technically a hero a freedom fighter who's been asleep for 5000 years it's like he doesn't know what a catchphrase is he doesn't know what like a mirror is or you know so it's just like you know you've been asleep for 5000 years and you wake up in the 21st century it's like <laughs> now what <laughs> so the humor was on point the action the effects, definitely on point the rock is just an amazing actor uh i can't wait to see black adam either team up slash face off with like shazam or superman he was really a villain in the comics early on but now he's been reimagined as an anti-hero like he's kind of one of those heroes with like questionable morals and i think they really did his story justice speaking of justice (laughs) The Justice Society of America. Again, I don't want to reveal too much, but I tell you, you know, the the Justice Society of America with Dr. Fate, Pierce Brosnan, you know, one of the. I haven't seen all the James Bond films, but the ones that I've seen with him, you know, Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, solid, solid acting. Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, you know, Dr. Fate and. uh, Adam Smasher, Hawkman, the acting was great, solid dialogue. I give it a seven out of 10. I am gonna, I, I do plan to do like an actual official spoiler free review of Black Adam at uh, some point, And it would be the first DC film that I review. It's been all Marvel so far, but I do plan to break into the DC market. Different kind of superhero. And he will stop at nothing to inflict his will wherever he wants. So I'm definitely looking forward to maybe him meeting up with Superman and maybe it being like a philosophical debate like we saw in um like we saw in Batman v Superman, and really I guess just over the course of the Zack Snyder dc films like we saw they did with superman similar to what john watts did with the spider-man trilogy in the mcu it's like we see in the spider-man the spider-man home trilogy we'll call it you know homecoming far from home no way home we saw how peter parker's really you know he's like a 15 year old kid and he's just like figuring out his place in the world like as a superhero like okay so he's spider-man like what does that mean where is he supposed to like intervene and there's like a coming of age story and so with Zack snyder you know with his uh three films that he directed in the dceu like we got man of steel like we see how he kills zod in the end but he was like so like devastated and then we see him batman v superman which i'll admit i mean I don't really care too much for Man of Steel or Batman v Superman as movies. They had great acting, all right, Ben Affleck, great actor, you know, solid acting as Bruce Wayne. And Batman, you know, Henry Cavill, amazing actor, amazing acting as Superman and as Clark Kent. But we see in Batman v Superman how, you know, Superman like he, you know, Kal-El, you know, he's sort of just a you know enhanced individual who doesn't want to inflict his will wherever he wants like he has the power to rule the world with an iron fist but he doesn't want to and he wants he just wants to live peacefully he just wants to benefit he wants to make the world a safer place and intervene only when absolutely necessary even though he had he single-handedly like has like we do see him like you know go over to whatever that country was in like the middle east or africa and you know rescue that hostage it's like he has the power to literally end any war that's between mankind that's like between humans, like he has the power to literally just end any war that he wants to. But then it becomes a question of like, which side of that war, which side of that conflict is the good side. So, you know, maybe he, what if he chooses the wrong side, which is again, why he, why Superman had to keep himself in check. Like he didn't want to be a God. You know, I know there's like that painting, there's that statue where it says like, oh, false God on uh, Superman. It's like, he didn't want to be a god to begin with. He doesn't want to be this person who rules with an iron fist. Even though he has the power to. He had the power to like literally end every single war and like have the world start over. And, you know, he's at the top and he just inflicts his will wherever he wants. But he doesn't want to. Black Adam, on the other hand, you know, Black Adam, I mean, he was like brute force, cutthroat, you know, firebrand you know, my way or the highway kind of thing. So I'm interested to see where the EU goes from here with Black Adam. Maybe the hierarchy of DC superhero- superheroes has changed. Like maybe the hierarchy has changed. Maybe Black Adam is more powerful than Shazam and Superman. So interested to see where they go forward. And I'd love to see Shazam team up Slash face off with Superman and have that philosophical debate over, you know, just because you can rule the world with an iron fist and inflict your will. Does that mean that you should? So, interested to see where the DCEU goes from here. Um, lastly, outside of the realm of superhero films... The trailer for Creed 3 has officially dropped. Creed 3 is officially coming out. I forget the exact release date. Um, but yeah, you know, Creed Creed 3 is coming out next year, so that's one of the films I'm looking forward to for 2023. And it just looks awesome. You know, it looks like um, Adonis Creed is going to fight someone from his past is going to come back into his life and you know end up becoming an adversary and i'm sure you know more updates about the, the plot will surface in in the coming months but i would definitely like to in preparation for creed 3 i do plan on doing a rocky film franchise re- review series like watching and reviewing all six of the Rocky films because there were six Rocky films. There was Rocky, Rocky Two, II, Rocky Three, Rocky Four, Rocky Five, and Rocky Balboa. I have seen all the Rocky films except Rocky Balboa, which was from 2006. I that's the only one I haven't seen. I've seen both Creeds. I saw Creed Two in theaters. It was awesome. And yeah, I'm interested to see where they go from here with uh, Creed Three. You know, the movie looks looks very promising it's got michael b jordan and it's actually michael b jordan's well i know he's he's directing the film i'm not sure if it's his directorial debut or not but he is both directing the film and starring in the titular role like he's starring as the main character still you know still starring as creed but he's directing the film um Ryan Coogler directed The First Creed. Ryan Coogler has worked closely with Michael B. Jordan in the past. Ryan Coogler, he's... Well, Michael B. Jordan was in Ryan Coogler's very first film, Fruitvale Station. Yeah, yeah, he directed uh, Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan. He directed The First Creed in 2015, which starred Michael B. Jordan. And he also directed Black Panther, both Black Panther and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So... So yeah, you know I'm excited for Creed. I do plan on doing a Rocky film uh, review series at some point. That is all for uh, today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way to the end. Our next film in the Infinity Saga rewatch series, which is really coming to a close, can you believe it? We've only got three films left. Our next film in the series is Captain Marvel. And this film will serve as a flashback to 1995. All right, now, I'm only 21 years old, so, you know, watching a movie that came out in, that takes place in 1995, came out in 2019, takes place in 1995, it's like, I can't really <laughs> relate to a lot of the 90s nostalgia, because I wasn't alive then, it was before my time. Like, I'm sure for the millennials listening, anyone who grew up in the 90s, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 2000s, <laughs> So I'm 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 sure anyone who grew up in you know the late '80s or like the early to mid '90s was a you know nice like nice kind of callback to your childhood, I'm assuming. But uh, yeah, it you know, be a nice flashback to 1995, which is kind of the in between period. Like it's 50 years after Captain America: The First Avenger, which ends around 1945, like the end of World War II. So 50 years after the end of World War II, 50 years after Captain America, the first Avenger, but still about 14 years before Iron Man, which takes place, I want to say around 2009. I know it came out in 2008, but I want to say the movie takes place around 2009-ish. So about 14 years before Iron Man while also being 50 years after the events of Captain America the first adventure. So in between period it's going to serve as an origin story for Carol Danvers as the titular character Captain Marvel. Um let me know your thoughts on anything that I've covered today, you know, whether if it's the my review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, like what do you guys what do you guys think about Ant-Man and the Wasp? Like is it a you know, is it like A tier, B tier, C tier, D tier, you know? Do any of you think it's an S-tier film, you know, definitely uh, let me know. Just hit me up on Instagram or TikTok. Both of those links are in the description below. Um, also, let me know um, about, like, the, the, the current news that I've talked about. Let me know, like, are you guys, you know, what, what are your thoughts on Black Adam? Are you guys excited for the upcoming Creed 3 and Man of the Wild's Quantumania? I love, love, love to hear from you guys, the listeners. You could even submit a voice message. Submit a voice message or, like I said, hit me up on Instagram or TikTok. All those links will be in the show notes below. If you listened to today's episode and you enjoyed it, then don't forget to follow, share, uh, like, and turn on your post notifications wherever you're listening from because I drop a new episode every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's you know, United States uh, Eastern Standard Time, and you definitely don't want to miss out. I hope that you all enjoyed your stay here at Cobb's Corner, and I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Peace.